Jordan Syatt, welcome to The Safe Place, and thank you so much for, for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so I, I've got a bit of a, a kind of uh, almost a, a kind of theme at the start of these shows in that I just hand straight over to my guests for them to introduce themselves and tell tell the listeners a little bit uh, a little bit about themselves. So I'll pass over to you. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Uh, I am a short, bald, nerdy Jewish guy who uh, likes to lift weights and help people with their with their fitness and their relationship with food. I mean, that's that's pretty much the I mean in a nutshell. I just had a baby girl mm-hmm. almost, almost eight weeks ago now, and uh, my wife and I are very excited about that. So so everything is good, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That's amazing. And I mean, you, you you've left a few bits out. I would say there. Um, uh, one being that you are an unbelievable deadlifter. So when you say that you lift heavy things, you really lift heavy things. <laughs> um, but also that you're a massive Harry Potter fan. Huge Harry Potter fan. Huge, huge, huge Harry Potter nerd. Yeah, I love Harry Potter. Slightly disappointed you've not you've not chosen a Harry Potter character for to to. Uh, well, I should know we don't know that for sure, do we? Because you don't give your name, the names of your uh, of, of the wife or child out, which is a good way of doing it. But I kind of hope it's at least in a middle name somewhere. <laughs> Hermione, maybe. <laughs> no, not in their not in their legal names, but we have like little nicknames for sure. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how has it been? Yeah, what's so first eight weeks? It's tough eight yeah. weeks. It's tough. It, you have kids? Yeah, five year old. Five year old, awesome boy, girl. A uh, little boy called Albus. Al- oh wow, I love that. <laughs> that that's amazing. Um, you know, it, it's great. So little girl, um, she's so relaxed. Like she's a very chill baby. Um, she really only cries when she's hungry mm. or she's got poop in her diaper or if she's a little bit tired. And, uh, you know, some babies, they just cry all the time. Like, yeah. they, like, and it's really, really difficult for the parents and for the child. Um, she doesn't do that at all. Which like we're also sort of worried because we'd like more kids, and if we can have more kids, we're like, oh shoot, hopefully (laughs) they're all like this. But I mean, she's a great sleeper. I mean, literally the other night she slept from like 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Amazing, crazy for a like a. She was seven weeks old when she did that. It was just insane. Yeah, so um, it very blessed because you know I can work from home. My wife, you know, she's she's just staying home with uh, with her right now. So. very blessed in terms of the situation that we're in that like it's relatively easy for us but we also know first-time parents it only gets harder as they get older (laughs) and as more more children enter the situation but uh but as of right now it's been wonderful to feel i i I like to try and remember that first eight weeks because i so i went back to work two weeks after Mm. born and my wife um sarah says she it was pretty fairly traumatic birth, and it was. She had a condition called cholestasis, which is a, a, a liver condition. Basically, your your liver doesn't function properly. Oh wow! And it's it's not an uncommon thing with pregnancy, but um, not great because obviously, when the liver doesn't function, you 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 get knock on impacts. And for her, the worst part of it was the itching. So there was just mm. constant itch. Um, which I can kind of sympathize with because, you know, getting hay fever and that type of thing, but another level. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In, in that. 
Um, and then it was a emergency C-section. Oh, wow. So I you know, went from the idea that we had of it being you know, this lovely <laughs> water birth, I think my wife wanted, um, to, to it not being. Um, and then the, the kind of first few days afterwards, um, whilst all the drugs were still in both of their systems, they were, they were quite, quite nice, um, quite nice nights. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just had like this bang of, of, uh, of, of a baby awakening to the world, um, which was was great in many ways, but yeah, earth shatteringly tiring. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's difficult to describe uh, <laughs> the length of tiredness that you go to. How, yeah. how, how have you been coping with that? You know, I I feel like I function pretty well on a lack of sleep. I don't know if it's genetic or something I've developed, um, but I function pretty well on a lack of sleep. So honestly, I've been I've been fine. Um, my wife is a little bit more difficult for, I mean, not to mention, I think it's inherently harder for the mom than it is the father, just because the baby just actually depends on the mother more. So even though, you know, I try and stay up late and wake up early and, and do all the things like to try and help just inherently she is needed more than I am. So Mm -hmm. I think it's more draining for her, but I mean, overall, I think in terms of if we were to take every newborns difficulty on a scale hours would be on a on a the easier side of it by far so um even though i'm tired and stressed and all of that like it's nothing i can't handle which is uh overall a great situation and and how have you found the kind of exercising and actually keeping reasonably because you're never going to be as fit Mm-hmm. as as you were pre-baby that's just the reality of, of the situation but given that you know this is the industry that you work in there's a degree of expectation like how are you finding that how are you finding managing all that yeah you know it's interesting so the way that i i, I want to explain it is i have like part of my job is staying fit mm. right like that's part of my job i, I have to do it yeah. um because if i don't Never mind the negative effects on my health, but also my business. Mm-hmm. So there's, it, I don't know if you ever watched The Biggest Loser, but yeah. it's sort of an interesting psychological phenomena in in which you have these people who struggled with their weight tremendously their their whole lives, and they're put on a show. And we could, yes, like they have they they're only allowed access to certain foods, and they have everything prepared for them, and they're exercising hours and hours a day. But also, like they're on international TV. So they have people watching, millions of people all over the world. So the idea, of like, oh, I've got to do this because, like, <laughs> like people are going to see it, yeah. is it's very real. And then all of a sudden, once they go home, they're off TV. People aren't watching as much anymore. They often balloon back up to where they were prior, or, or even more than that. Mm-hmm. And so I think I fall into that category of I have a lot of people watching my stuff. So it's like. As a fitness professional, it would not look good for me or my business if as soon as I have a kid, I balloon up, right? So I think because of that pressure, at least in part, I'm not letting it affect me in terms of like, I'm still getting my workouts in, I'm still being on point with my nutrition. Um, and, and I do wonder, would that be different if I didn't have eyeballs on me and this wasn't my industry? And, and I think it would be very short-sighted to, to think that it, it's not affecting me. I think it absolutely is mm-hmm. because I think about it. 
like I think about it. It's, it's very, it's a huge part of my thought process of like, shit, I can't, I can't get out of shape or else it's not going to look good for business. Yeah. So then, cool. That's a motivation factor in and of itself. Right. So it's funny. I talk about how I don't have a boss, but I do have a boss when you think about it. It's like, all the viewers are, are my boss in that sense. Uh, and if it's affecting me and my behavior in that way. So, I mean, I've done fitness for my whole life ever since I was, I was, I've been active since I was a kid and done sports and athletics. And I've wanted to be a personal trainer since I was 14 and I love this. So it's a part of who I am, but let me tell you some of these like 10, 11, 12 AM workouts, like super late at night. It's like, I don't think I would be doing them if I didn't have an audience that was watching me and, and really like being aware of this stuff. So I'm doing it and I'm enjoying it and I am, I'm in very, very good shape and I've been able to maintain it and actually I think in many ways improve. But, um, the psychological factor of having people watching me is I, I don't think I can ignore that. Mm-hmm. Cause it, it, I always think it's, <clears throat> it's a really interesting period when you've, when you've just had a kid be it whether you're the the mother or the father or or the two mothers or what, whichever dynamic um, you have in your relationship, you go from the the point of you know the the person who's pregnant has obviously just gone through a, a major trauma on 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 their body uh, and has given birth to this this little alien thing that that you know having to hold. So that as 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 the kind of typically the 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 wife in that in that scenario yeah you, the, there's not a huge expectation or at least maybe that's just my biases coming coming out to play but there's not that huge expectation to suddenly become super super fit again mm. i think there is if you're super famous mm-hmm. yep. yeah in in the same context as uh, as yourself um because you're always under the, the the kind of eyes of the press and of the media, etc. But then, as the dad, I can't think apart from someone like you in your situation. I can't think of anyone that is in the kind of limelight that's a dad that's ever been kind of picked up to go. Oh well, you're not you're not fit anymore, and what are you doing? It's, your wife's had a baby. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's it's a really it's an odd dynamic that's at play there, um, and I guess that's that's kind of societal piece on on where we have different expectations for different people. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And you must see that a lot because if if I remember correctly, within your and I'm a member of of the inner circle, so I, I kind of see this myself. But you you're kind of more geared towards females in your in your setup these days, or yeah, you know, it's it's not something that happened deliberately. Not actively, yeah. Not actively. It's. I think there's a lot. I think there's number one is I think women tend to be more likely to seek out help than men. Yeah. In almost every facet, not every, but almost every. Um, I also think, especially in fitness, women are more likely to spend money than men are. I think often because men are like, ah, I can figure it out myself, and women are more like, well, no, I want to like have a professional help me. Cause they, yeah. they're, they are more willing to do that. Um, even in, in, when I was an in-person coach for a decade, the vast majority of clients were women, not just with me, but all the coaches, just cause I think women are more likely to seek that out. And, but I think there were more men just roaming around doing their own thing in the gym. Than yeah. women. 
Um, so that I think there's a huge aspect of that, that of the, these common trends that come into play. Also, what happened initially was when I first started coaching online, I was a competitive power lifter. And it was such a unique moment in time for me and also the industry because as I started to compete in powerlifting and make a name for myself in powerlifting, this is probably around 2010, 2011, 2012, women really started to become more interested in powerlifting. Strength training for women started to become really big around that time. And prior to that, it was just like big meatheads, dudes, like, yeah. really, like juiced out and it was, that was it. But all of a sudden, women started to be encouraged to powerlift and to strength train. And also at that time, when women were doing this, they were like, I want to get strong. They had embraced, okay, I want to get strong. But they were like, I don't want to get big and bulky. And here I am, <laughs> this short, bald, nerdy Jewish guy. <laughs> who's lifting a lot of weight, but not bulky at all. Yeah. Like I'm not big and bulky. I'm not super jacked, like any of that. I'm just like, I'm a pretty small guy who can also lift a lot of weight. And so they were like, I want to do what he's doing because he's very strong, but he doesn't look like a bodybuilder. He doesn't look huge. And and I also was, I wasn't like, I was a lot of the bodybuilding world, especially at that time was just get, get as big as possible. Even yeah. if it's that, like, just get as big as you can. And I'm over here like, no, you don't have to. Like, you can be very strong without doing that. And so through in that initial stage, like 2011, 2012, 2013, I got a lot of women who wanted to power lift working with me. And ever since then, like, that's just been what I've fallen into. Um, and I, that's who's gravitated towards me are, are women who want to improve their health and strength and, and all of that. And so right now in the inner circle, it's about 75% women and 25% yeah. men, which is not an insignificant number of men, but I think that follows the general trend of women are more likely to seek out help than men are. And especially, uh, it, it's funny, like in, I have a lot of friends who do powerlifting coaching. They do powerlifting coaching online still because I'm still friendly with many people in that industry. And they they struggle to get more clients because they they try and target men. Yeah. Men are usually not very good fitness clients because they're like, listen, I'll pay for a month or two. I'll figure it out and I'll do it on my own. Yeah. And just that's just that's generally <laughs> how it works. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh because the the fir my first time uh, kind of into having any form of kind of PT, um, and I I've trained on and off for I don't know ten years, let's say. Um, not that I particularly look like it these days because I've not been training in the same way, but that's that's largely because of uh, you know, coming to terms with disability and and not being able to train in the in the in the same way. Um, yeah, that's that's a, a a whole different kettle of fish. Um, but my first time into actually getting a PT, it was a, a, a excellent female coach uh, named Sam Cubbins, um, and I kind of randomly signed up to a gym um, in which it's a gym called David Lloyd. It was new to the area, so like kind of new, nice, posh, and all that sort of stuff. And I'm used to kind of what I would describe as kind of almost kind of like ghetto gyms, like yeah. you know, proper like iron cast plates and all that sort of stuff. So going into this alien universe um, <laughs> that was David Lloyd was, was a big jump. Um, but I was doing it because I was a, I was a relationship manager at that point. So I was, 
I was managing clients um, that were running the business and I was doing their banking um, kind of for, for them. So it was a way of getting more business. And then I randomly signed up to this coaching and she was brilliant, really, really energetic, really. And I still, still speak to uh, her to this day, but I did exactly that. It was like the first, I don't know, 10 sessions. And I was like, all right, yeah, see you later. <laughs> I've made amazing progress. Like yeah. I've done really, really well. I think I lost like 30 kilograms. Something wow. Like um, so yeah, lost a lot of weight, probably too quickly uh, in reality because I then got injured and, and mm. the, the old story of then putting it putting it back on and yeah, yoing and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it was probably too quick, but I kind of thought I knew it all. <laughs> <laughs> and that is definitely a a, a man's condition dude 100 percent, and obviously not all men i get yeah. it but generally speaking that's what men do and that's why um so i hire my own coach every mm-hmm. year i hire a new coach because like i learn from it and it helps me and that's why i do it for a whole year like, and I say from the very, I'm like, I'm going to work with you for at least one whole year because I know my general intuition is to stop after like six, eight, 12 weeks. So that's my, like every year I hire a coach for a whole year because that way it's, it's taken care of and it, and it prevents me from falling into that trap that I naturally want to go for. And, and how does that work as a, as a coach, having a coach? Um, Dude, I love it. Yeah. I love oh man, I love it. Um, because I think one of the worst things that can happen in life in general is when you start to think you know it all. Mm. Uh speaking from experience when I've thought that I've known it all. Yeah. <laughs> like I think it's the worst thing you can do. Cause like once you think you know it all, you stop learning. Mm-hmm. You, but inherently, once you think you know it all, you stop learning. And I real I think it was in 2015. No, 2014 is when I hired my first coach. I remember when I retired from powerlifting is when I hired my first coach. Because before then, I did all my own programming. Because I was like, realistically, like I think I was probably the best in, in for what I needed from a powerlifting perspective. Yeah. But once I was done powerlifting, I was like, I'm going to hire a coach. And so it was 2014. And I've done that every single year since 2014. And every single time, I've learned so much from working with another high level coach and it's impacted my 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 coaching ability positively it's impacted the programs that i write it's impacted me mentally and emotionally and there have been coaches that i've worked with where i hated it where like i it's not that i hated the coach i just didn't like the style of programming i didn't like what we were doing but yeah. i stuck it out because i wanted to learn from it and so I think a lot of people are surprised when like they hear like I'm a personal trainer that I'm hiring a coach, but even within the the fitness world, there's so many different realms. There's so many different possibilities. There's so many different goals to achieve. And so like, yeah, if I only wanted to power lift, then I probably wouldn't need to hire another coach. But because there's like, there, there's so many different avenues, like I, you can't be an expert in everything. You just can't. And it's not it's not just the kind of core components of fitness either. Is I mean, obviously you've got weightlifting and you've got going running. You can then get a running coach. Yes, absolutely. You, you, you could then want to I don't know become a super duper CrossFitter, and then you need to get a CrossFit coach. Yeah, 
but then you've got because you 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 do jujitsu, don't you? Exactly. So yeah. You then I'm a jujitsu coach. coach. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and you've got the business side as well. Yes. Yeah, and, and and I think that's something that we often overlook is that people that do well, it's certainly my experience, people that do well in business are usually the ones that have got really good people around them. Yes. So they can actually soundboard off and learn and 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 you know, adjust what what they know and what they think might work and what they think won't work and try different things, et cetera, et cetera. We could talk about that in terms of just life. People who mm. do the best have the best environment. They're surrounded mm. by, oh man, let's go, baby. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> people, people who do the best have the best environment. They and, and and they might not start with the best environment all the time, but they mm. seek it out. They seek out and they they eliminate people from their life who are poisonous, who are not who are not helping and are not helping or serving. And they find the people who are like minded. And whether it's fitness, whether it's business, whether it's life, whether whatever it is, the people who succeed the most almost always have the best environment around them. And uh, that's why some people have the advantage of like being born into a great environment. Yeah, and some people have the disadvantage of not being born into the great environment, but. One of my favorite things is to listen to people who were not born in a great environment, but they found it and they 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 clawed tooth and nail to find it and to to get there and stay there. That's some of my favorite stories because it goes to show you that no matter where you start, yeah, some people will start ahead, but if you if you really work and try and find to that environment, the people and get those people around you, it can it can completely change your life. Yeah, and it, it kind of comes back to, to what you were saying before as well about constantly learning. Yeah. So the people that that are able to find those um, kind of ideal setups, let, let, let's call it that, are the people that are constantly thriving and striving to, to grow in all the different components, which means you have to be constantly wanting to learn and to, and to grow your, your own knowledge and understanding. Yeah. Um, and if you can, if you can ace that, then you can kind of transfer that to pretty much anything. Yeah. Um, and particularly sport. Mm. Um, I, I've, I've recently started a, a, a psychology master's, um, something I should have done years ago. Um, but you know, we, we, we live and learn. It's my third go at uni. Um, and partly actually, um, I kind of clicked the button not long after a conversation with, with your friend, Josh. Oh yeah. 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 So I had, I had him on, I don't know, 10 episodes ago, let's say. Um, and we talked about, uh, the psychology of pain in particular. Um, and I've, whilst I've been very, very good at hiding it, I've always had an element of pain. So I was born with something called bilateral, congenital bilateral complex talipes, equine ovaris. So the really, really long thing, shorten it into CTEV. It's much easier. Also known as club feet. Okay. Yep, yep. So congenital, you're born with it. Um, And then the the kind of uh, equine ovaris element is just how the feet have been molded. So there's different types. Some Sometimes your feet kind of twist in and twist up. That was kind of mine. Sometimes they twist out. Um, and there's there's loads of literally hundreds and hundreds of different variants um, kind of within it. So I've kind of always, always had that pain, but never really understood it. 
and it was that conversation with, with Josh actually that the kind of penny the penny dropped. Really? Yeah. Um, really, really interesting uh, kind of chat with him, and then a click submit because I instantly knew within within that moment that this is what I want to go on and do. Wow, that's amazing. I need to listen to that episode. That sounds fantastic. It's, it, it's, it's a really, it's one of my longer episodes. Um, so it's about an hour and 20 or so. Josh is very verbose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, likewise. Um, so, so the two of us. Um, but it was, like, it was such a perfect timing. And, and yeah, everything just kind of worked really well. But equally, if I hadn't gone and got that, then I wouldn't be where I am now. Yeah. So it's by creating all those little steps that you just don't really see, don't think about, that yeah. actually have these amazing, life-changing um, impacts. Dude, yeah. it's so funny. Like, I, I don't think that I would have my business if it wasn't for Josh. Wow. Because, and I don't know if you know this story, but you know, I, I wanted to drop out of school. I wanted to drop out of school. Um, I was in a, my freshman year of college was probably the worst year of my life, just like for many, many reasons. Um, I wanted to be back in Israel, join the IDF. Like I, 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 there were so many issues with me mentally and emotionally. Um, and I remember I, I called Josh and I had known Josh that I was 20 or 21 and I had known Josh since I was 14 or 15 and he was a, yeah. a huge mentor of mine and like a really a really a great a great friend in so many ways and the way he framed it for me I remember I was sitting on my bed in my college dorm just like exhausted and sobbing and I was like I want to leave and and we had a whole conversation in which we basically decided what my plan was throughout college and how to number one deal with that pain yeah and, and what I was going to do throughout and the the consensus was I was going to start a website and I was just going to start like trying and, and that was it. And, and if it wasn't for that conversation, I don't think I would have my business. Yeah. But like making my website was one of the, the ways I was going to get through college without knowing it was a business. It wasn't like, a, hey, I'm going to create a business. It was I'm going to make a website yeah. and just start writing articles and helping people. And and that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Josh. So it, like it's so interesting how the right people and the right time and the right environment can inspire you to do things that will really, you know, change your entire life in the lives of everyone around you. Yeah. And I, 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 this is where I think allowing time to reflect. So this is the other part of being able to kind of grow your own, your own kind of place of safety um, where you can actually grow from and, and kind of develop out of kind of why I started this whole podcast really was that, you know, I had this image in my head uh, through a really dark period in my life. So I, so I, I live with depression that's linked to the pain. So pain gets worse, depression gets worse. As a result, pain gets worse and it's this cyclical piece. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and usually it, 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 this, you know, eat too much that then increases pain too and there's there's all sorts of factors that, that that kind of go into it but one of the things that i've really learned over the past couple of years really is that if you don't allow yourself time to sit and reflect and look back at the small things that have 
potentially had an impact on you, you miss all the the kind of good and the 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 reasons for doing the next bit. Uh, so to put it into to better context, I was in a position of being so I I, I was suicidal. Uh, so it was a really 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 bad period of my of my life and there was this little tiny tiny glimmer of hope smallest bit ever and it was being able to attach onto that Mm. that effectively kept me alive now obviously that's a really extreme version of it but if you then take that and apply it to the situation that 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 you were in you could have stopped there on that website but you didn't, you carried it on because what you'll have seen, I imagine, and I'll let you tell that, but was that way of growing it, mm-hmm. way of doing more and that constant um, evolution. So it, being able to reflect is a is an important life skill. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and giving yourself the time and the space to really do it. Is is equally important. I think a lot of people were so focused on what's next, what's next, what's next. Got to stay busy. Got to stay busy. Got to grind. Got to hustle. That like you, f- you don't give yourself an opportunity to reflect. Yeah, and it and, and it 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 kind of it goes into so many different parts of your life. So if I look at my yo-yoing um, experience with with weight, so I I've been anything uh, probably my heaviest that I've ever been at the moment um and I've been significantly lighter in my adult life and there's no real no real kind of trip to it it was just that at that at that kind of time when I was in a better physical state it was easier for me to take that first step mm-hmm. and then to take that next step etc 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 whereas when you've kind of got lots of different hurdles, you have to search through all these, all these, all the stuff. And that might be that you're tired because you've got an eight week year old. <laughs> it might be you're tired because you've got a five year old. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would imagine the five year old is more tiring to be honest. I, I don't know, but I mean, I feel like with the five year old, they're, they're talking and they're moving like with the eight week old, She's just, she just chills. She just sits there, you know, whereas like. (laughs) I would probably say that I'm more energized now by my son than Ah. I probably have ever been. Um, And yeah, there's been, there's been kind of very, very tiring periods. (laughs) Um, So you've, you've got this to come, but teething. um, Yeah, 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 yeah. It's an experience. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I won't say if it's a good one or a bad one, but, but it's definitely an experience. Um, we went for our first our first holiday away with as a as a family of three, um, and it was it was to to Spain, so in in Europe, um, and yeah, it's all set. This it had been gifted to us for our wedding about a, a year or so before, and it was you know the first kind of first flight and all that sort of stuff we got there within i think a day um elvis's back teeth had started to come through oh no 
he was not happy. Oh my god! I can't time, even imagine. But by the time we got back on the plane to go back, he was then fine. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got all got all of that. Um, how did how did you handle that? Did you like? Was there any medicine you could give him? Is there anything that you could do or no? Yeah. So I mean, we you know there's ibuprofen that you can give and there's um cow poles essentially paracetamol li- liquid based both mm. um and we use that and then there's like um numbing uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of put to be honest none of it works that well yeah 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 um and really just kind of keeping him entertained and giving him up giving him a hug, physical yeah. contact, you know, the stuff that, that kind of babies need really. Yeah. Um, cause he was probably, he was either just about to turn one or he, or he was just, just older one, but around that sort of age. Um, and yeah, that, that actually is the best medicine for, for, yeah. for little ones. That makes sense. Um, and so yeah, it was, it was just that and kind of battling, battling through <laughs> um i can't remember what i was saying before now um sorry bro <laughs> sorry um no it's it, it's it's all those little stories that that you kind of think back on it's like have you ever heard the saying don't cry over spilled milk yeah of course yeah yeah so one of my one of my really distinct memories and i struggle a little bit with with remembering um the kind of past so part of my uh, depression is this thing called dissociation. Okay. Um, and which is basically that you, you don't, you're not always there. Yeah. Um, in, in, in an experience and that then affects your memory of things. Um, another thing that Josh and I uh, kind of talked about actually, um, it was almost like a, a recorded therapy session in many <laughs> ways. <laughs> I need to get him back on really. Um, and yeah, so my uh, my wife probably I don't know three months into, so I think the first teeth were kind of coming through. We were both absolutely knackered, um, and yeah, you know, she was particularly knackered because she was doing the kind of heavy lifting, as it were, um, and she was breastfeeding, uh, and yeah, you know, it was kind of going okay by that point. So um, I was a tongue tie, which we eventually mm. got got sorted out um and you know i was then doing feeding um using using the kind of bottles but there was a period where the the it might have even been earlier than that but the 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 milk kind of of coming through wasn't wasn't coming through as well as um it, it kind of needed to and there was a bottle um so that Sarah's worked really hard to um to produce and it was probably about half full and we're walking through to the bathroom I think it was to cool it down or or something um and she she kind of stumbled and the milk went all over the carpet (laughs) and she was obviously crying very very teary so me and my extremely caring um way said well at least now you can say that you cried over spilt milk. <laughs> <laughs> she hates me telling that story. I love to tell that story. <laughs> I, it's funny. Have you heard Josh's description of that saying? No. It's actually, it's great. So Josh, 
Josh says that that saying is actually for the parents and not for the kids. Yeah. Because he's like, when if a kid spills milk, they're not going to cry about the milk. They, they'll cry if the parent gets angry. Mm-hmm. But like the kid, no one, kid doesn't care if they spill milk. He's like, that saying actually is actually meant for the parents because the parents are so stressed, so tired, so upset, like so on edge that when the milk spills, they freak out. It's like that, <laughs> that saying is actually meant for the parents, not for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> and it definitely was on that occasion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, you're at the moment, you're doing a, a kind of, so not only are you kind of keeping up with your regular um, fitness, you're also doing a, a bit of a weight loss journey as well. Yes. Yeah. Doing a little mini cut. How's that going? Dude, it's going great. Super simple. Um, it's literally just eating smaller portions is basically what I'm doing. I'm, I'm aware of how many calories I'm eating, but like I'm not weighing or measuring anymore. I, I did that for so long. Like I can have a pretty good idea of how much I'm eating when I eyeball it. Yeah. Um, but I'm like about seven, eight pounds down in about four and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. So I feel really good, man. I feel great. I had a mini refeed yesterday. So just like eight more carbs than usual. Um, hunger isn't that bad. It's not a hunger thing. I, I've i done this so many times that I, I'm very good at knowing my body and feeling what's right or what I might need to adjust. And I could start to feel that fatigue was setting in from a calorie. Like I was just a little bit more tired than I wanted to be. And so I was like, you know what? Like I'm just going to have a day where I eat in a surplus and have more carbs because it's going to help. And today I feel great, like shocker. You know, I feel fantastic. Um, So, so yeah, honestly, it's going great. For me, one of the cool parts about it is whenever I share something like this, the messages that I get from people just, they're blown away. They, they can't believe it. It's helping them. And I always get people who say things like I would have given up by now, but because I'm watching this and seeing your fluctuations, uh, they're staying with it and they're seeing great progress. And again, cause most of my audience is, is female. Um, one of the common, common messages I get is I had no idea that men's weight fluctuated like this as well. They yeah, just thought okay. that it was that it was only women. And so they see me doing it. They're like, oh, my God, I thought that only women's weight fluctuated like this. Um, so it, it's fun to see all of the misconceptions being dispelled and, and people realizing, oh, as, as long as I don't give up, like it's going to work. Like for them to see my weight stay basically the same for over a week. Mm-hmm. And then I just I don't stop and I don't stop and I don't stop and I don't stop. And then it drops because I'll, I'll get messages as well like on day four, day five or day six of a, of a plateau. I'll get people being like, what are you doing? It's not working. No, 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 no. And I'll just like, yeah, oh, just watch, just keep watching. And then a couple of days go by and I'll have a whoosh and I'll lose a couple of pounds. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. And so it, it's, it's always fun to see their, their replies and responses to something like this. Cause, you, cause you're not new into, into the kind of demonstrating the kind of simple component of weight loss, which is yeah. a calorie deficit. Um, unless some magical science comes around and tells us different, but suspect it won't. Um, but you've done some really quite extreme versions <laughs> of that. Like, the, the, I, the, I think the first one that I came across and, and where I came across you was the, the burger. The Big um, Mac challenge. Yeah, the Big Mac, Mac. Yeah. 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 That was the first one I ever did publicly. Um, 
And that one was very interesting. Actually, no, that was the second one I did publicly. The The first one I called the Just Another Muggle Challenge. Uh, <laughs> I think that was in, in 2018 I did it. And that one was, I just, I remember I was like, I'm going to do a cut and I'm going to show people what it like when you're just another muggle, muggle, how to do it. So I was like, that was how, what I called it. The Big Mac Challenge, though, what was so interesting about that is I really wanted to show people that you could enjoy your favorite foods in moderation and still lose weight. But people were so blown away by the weight fluctuations. That was like the biggest thing that people took away from it. Like, and I think part of it was because my audience might have known that, you know, they could enjoy those types of foods. Like they were aware of it. There were obviously people who couldn't believe that I could have a Big Mac and still lose weight, but the weight fluctuations was the by far the most common thing that people struggle with, which is why so much of, you know, the Inner Circle app uh, and so much of what we do is based around normalizing the fluctuations and calming people down when their weight fluctuates up. And I mean, so in the app, Alex, our app developer, she's amazing. She was able to figure out ways. So like if someone's weight spiked up, they would get a certain voice memo from Susan and myself mm-hmm. to know. And like we would record, pre-record it. So like, all right, so let's come up with five different voice recordings on a weight spike to calm them down and let them know it's okay. Like so much, of, there are many people who use the app who don't use the workouts, don't use anything. They just use the weight fluctuation and the weight yeah. tracker because it keeps them in line based on the the voice memos and all of that. So that's the biggest thing I've realized from coaching for so many years is most people are doing something that works. They just don't give it enough time and they quit before it actually like shows it to them that it's actually working. So my job as a coach more than anything is just make sure people don't quit. As long as they don't quit, then it's going to work. So, so what I'm hearing there is that a day isn't going to make me lose <laughs> all the weight. Is that, is that what you're saying? It sounds crazy. It's 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 very difficult for many to comprehend, but a day is not enough time. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh, do do you get question like real questions um, about time it takes to to kind of lose weight and and people expecting a week and then they've magically lost? Oh like yeah, that. all the time, especially when there's a big event coming up. A lot of people will ask like, hey, you know, my wedding is in two weeks. How can I lose 20 pounds? I'm like, all right, well, you should have messaged me like six months ago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not not two weeks at a time. So usually it's like uh, my wedding or I have a big vacation coming up and I want to be like, how do I lose this amount of weight in this ridiculously brief period of time? I get those messages every week, all the time. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, not, not usually not from people who've been following me for a long time. It's yeah. usually people who like might find me and then just pr- probably are messaging me and 12 other fitness professionals, the exact same thing, copy, paste, copy, paste. I've had that before. I've had people message me and uh, I know it was copy, paste because they put someone else's name, like, like, Hey, so-and-so. <laughs> and it was one of my colleagues names, like someone who I'm very good friends with. And I was like, Oh, you meant to send that to someone else. They're like, shoot, I'm sorry. I forgot to change the name. And people do that all the time. It's like where they'll, you know, like they'll, they'll try and message as many people as they can just to see if they'll get an answer and they'll just change the name. But this person forgot. So yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they're messaging it to a bunch of people at the same time. Yeah. The, the kind of crazy world of social media. Um, I mean, it, you've got what, eight fifty thousand? Uh, not eight fifty. So a little bit above eight hundred. Um, yeah, in like eight thirty range. Yeah. 
how on earth do you manage? Because you must get basically constant messages. I do not have my notifications turned on. (laughs) I I do not have those. That would would just be one tone. (laughs) Man, it was. I remember when I turned my notifications off for email. I was. It was two thousand. It was 2013 or 2014. It's right when my business started to pick up a little bit. And I was hanging out with a friend. And my my phone just kept going like, ding, ding, ding. And she was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's my client emails. And and she was like, you know, you can turn the notification off, right? And I didn't even know that. That was I, I got my first ever smartphone. So I had no idea I could turn the notifications off. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, I was just talking to my wife about this the other day because her notifications kept going off. And I was like, what is that? And she's like, that's my Instagram notification. I was like, why do you have those turned on? It's like, if I had them turned off, man, like I spend enough time on social media as is, I don't need notifications reminding me to get back onto social media. It's, <laughs> it would be a very bad idea. I mean, I, I've got my, I mean, I've, I've like two, two, 300 people that follow me. But even that for me is too much. Yeah. I, <laughs> so magnify that by many 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 times yeah that would just be crazy uh in many ways of the word many sense of the word um do you do you think you're going to carry on doing those um those types of of kind of videos and, and films with the you know the, the kind of big mac challenge you've done a coffee one as well um oh yeah now that now that you're a dad or do you look back at those and and that's what you're going to share with with your daughter it's a great question. I mean, as of right now, I still enjoy making content. Um, so as long as I continue to enjoy it, I will. For example, I haven't really enjoyed making Instagram content on my feed recently, which is why I haven't done much of that. But stories yeah. I've really enjoyed, podcasts I really enjoy, and YouTube I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing right now. I really just do whatever it is I like. I just go hard on that. So um, I will probably continue to do that. I don't know if I'll do like a Big Mac style challenge ever again or, or definitely not the coffee one. That one was awful. Um, <laughs> that one screwed me up big time. Um, but I'll, I'll probably do them for sure. It, just it, it'll it depend on what kind. For example, one that I've gotten so many people asking me to do for years is do a month as a vegan and show people, you know, what how you can get enough protein in and all of mm-hmm. that. Um I think that might be interesting. I personally have zero interest in being a vegan, like yeah. zero. I just have none. Uh, my videographer is a vegan and he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. And so that might actually be helpful just so he could give me advice and, and stuff along the way. Um, another one that a lot of people have asked for is a month of me eating clean, but showing how if I eat too much, I can still gain weight, even if I'm eating only clean foods. Yeah. Um, that one just sounds so unappealing for so <laughs> many different reasons. Like I would rather not gain unwanted body fat and I would rather not eat so much on a daily basis of like clean foods that like I'm bloated and full. Like I just, the whole month that sounds terrible. I would rather do the Big Mac challenge again, which that sucked. That was not fun, yeah, but bad. I would rather do that because I would rather be a little bit hungry than overly full all the time. Like this, like my, my brain is like, I would rather be slightly hungry because at least then like I can still do stuff. 
when you're overly full, like you can't do anything. You're just a lazy, like you're lying on the couch or you can't get up. Like it's hard to have a conversation when you're slightly hungry. Like oftentimes cognitively, I'm better when I'm slightly hungry. I'm I'm much more able to have a a, a better conversation. I'm more aware. Um, When I'm overly stuffed, I'm useless. (laughs) Like I can't do anything. (laughs) Do, do, Do you think you've conditioned yourself? to be that way? Or do you think that is just something that is a trait in your family? It's definitely not a trait in my family because I'm the only one in my family that doesn't struggle with their weight. Yeah. Um, everyone in my family has severely struggled with, with obesity and, and, and really bad relationship with the food. So it's not genetic at all. Um, but I, I think it's probably more conditioned and also having been on both sides. Cause I, I struggled with binge eating for many years mm-hmm. and and it's so interesting because when I would binge eat and I would massively overeat, like I, I was useless. I would be so full and I so full that it hurt. And yeah. to the point where like, never mind the mental and emotional stress and distress that came from it and feelings of shame and guilt that I had with it, but just physical pain from eating so much and like not being able to do anything. Um, so I think it de- probably going so far to that extreme helped me realize, okay, like where is the balance here? And so for sure, like I actually, I don't like to eat before I do podcasts just because I get more tired. I get sluggish. Like it's hard for me to concentrate. Whereas if I'm slightly hungry, I feel like I'm much more focused and I'm much more cognitively aware. And I, I, I feel like I'm more creative where as soon as I eat, I'm like, all right, I'm going to lie down for a minute take a little break (laughs) and and there's there's probably something in that in that yeah if you think back without going to kind of the caveman period but even just think back through kind of the the human evolution yes the the body is designed so that it it needs to get food therefore you've got to be able to go out and and get that food exactly once you've had it that's the period of rest that's exactly right. It's, there's absolutely an evolutionary response to this where if you haven't eaten yet, like you need to be focused, you need to mm-hmm. get your food. Yeah, and we can see it in hormonal response. We can see catecholamines increase. We can see norepinephrine increase. We can see all this. And then as soon as you eat, it's like, nah. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm good. <laughs> and, and that's not a case for fasting. That's not what I'm saying. It's it's a case for listening to your body and yeah. understanding it what works well for you and, and what makes you feel better. I like my wife, complete opposite. Like if she doesn't eat as soon as she wakes up, she's in a terrible mood mm-hmm. and she, she literally can't focus because all she's focused on is just being hungry. So there's, there's a balance here and where, where you've really got to find what works better for you. My wife and I are complete opposites in that perspective. Like she needs to eat and she needs to eat very often. I can go longer periods of time without eating and I prefer having slightly bigger meals once I do eat. Yeah, I, I, I probably, when I'm not going through a kind of terrible binge eating cycle, I'm probably the same in the, yeah. actually, I, yeah, my wife will get very visibly frustrated and and aggy as, uh, <laughs> as I like to call it. Um, when she's not had 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 food, yeah, she and my son actually both get very hangry. 
yeah um, to to use the term whereas actually i can not have breakfast i can probably not have lunch and then eat eat a big meal for 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 dinner and i'll i'll be okay i'm the same way 100% but i do think that <coughs> excuse me part of and and this will be conditioning but i think part of being in a a kind of negative food cycle um is that kind of almost forgetfulness of what real hunger is actually like yes yep um because i i've noticed it and it's something i'm trying to tackle at the moment but i've noticed it recently in that i don't actually know when i'm hungry mm. so i'll i'll eat because that's what humans do simple as that um but yeah, I I I kind of have forgotten what what that feeling is, and I suppose that's where something like a version of of fasting. Um, I don't particularly think the behaviour is a healthy one for me. Um, yeah, but a, a version of that just to kind of almost kickstart that that um, psychological response to food. Yeah, I and also think I also think that. This is where food science is amazing in so many ways. Food science has allowed people who are in who are malnourished in starving countries to be able to uh, not be nutrient deficient uh, <laughs> through a variety of foods and, and and genetically modified organisms, GMOs, where we've been able to make foods to help people who who don't get enough nutrients otherwise. Um, food science has allowed us to do some of the most amazing things that the world has ever seen. It's also created an unbelievably addictive-like substance that will cause us to just keep reaching, keep reaching, keep reaching, keep reaching for food. Because food science can be used in, in for good or for bad, mm-hmm. right? And in a capitalistic environment, which I, I'm a big fan of capitalism. There are pros and cons to it. It's not perfect by any means. I'm a big fan of it. But one of the major cons, as we're seeing in this food science world, is, well, whatever we can do, to get people to eat more of our food in outrageous quantities so they keep buying it and we can make more money. This is a major con of that capitalism mindset and how they're exploiting food science to make foods unbelievably delicious, tastier Mm -hmm. than we've ever had foods ever before. And so when food tastes so unbelievably good, it's very difficult to ever let yourself get truly hungry. Because you're going to reach for it before you ever get to that point, which is where I think striving for, and this is going to sound weird, but striving for a majority of the time, a relatively bland diet can actually be very helpful when the foods you eat on a regular basis tend to be a bit more bland because when foods are bland, like you're not like, oh, I'm craving that, right? You're not like, oh, I'm craving a chicken breast. Like a, a bland chicken breast, but it's like I'm yeah. definitely craving something super sweet or super salty. So that's where I think saving those types of foods for a, a treat or enjoyment, no guilt associated with it, but saving those hyper palatable foods for when like, hey, listen, I'm going to enjoy this now. I'm going to have this now. Um, but for the majority of your diet, whole, minimally processed, a bit more bland is a very, also a very good strategy to help you really learn, okay, well, this is hunger and this is not hunger. Mm. And I, I think the so just prior to meeting 
meeting my wife. So we actually met in the gym that I was talking about about earlier. Um, and yeah, I was I was pretty pretty physically fit, lifting fairly heavy things and and all that kind of kind of good stuff. But I was doing exactly that. I was eating broadly really simple, straightforward yeah. meals. So my dinner ninety percent of the time, I would say, was exactly the same meal. Yes, 100%. slight slight variance of veg, but yeah, it was it was a, some form of stir fry that I chopped stuff in the pan and then ate it. And that was it. Nice and simple. Easy, Whereas, and simple, and you're not craving it. But it's like, listen, this is what I'm going to feed myself now. Yeah, yeah. It's those things that we don't think about the simplicity in life. It's one of those things. Like uh, someone asked me the other day, "Do I meal prep?" And I don't meal prep because I hate meal prepping but we Mm -hmm. do ingredient prep or like we just have like large quantities of one or two things so having lentils in a big container like i I, i'm not gonna binge on fucking lentils you know what i mean like i'm (laughs) not gonna be oh god these like i'm not gonna do it but when they're there in large quantities i can take it put it in a bowl and it's ready to go and they're pretty bland but they're nutritious, they're very healthy, and it's a great way to easily get that in as opposed to, let's say it wasn't ready, that wasn't available, mm-hmm. but I had Doritos or Oreos or whatever in the pantry. It's like, oh, I'll binge on those all day. Like, yeah. give, me, give me some Oreos. I'll easily, easily eat the entire thing. Like, that's not difficult. You know what I mean? Even though the total energy amount, the total calories, total fat, all that would be astronomical, mm-hmm. I could easily eat one of those and like then go to Doritos and no problem have the whole bag. Yeah. It's so it's designed. That's what it's scientifically designed to do is allow you to eat so much and without really ever getting full. And it, it goes back to what we were saying before about the environment in which you create. Yes. And it's applying that principle again to a different dynamic in this situation. It's food. It's It's thinking about giving yourself the best opportunity um, to eat the right things, whatever the right things may be in in, in that particular context, because I'm not one for saying any food is bad. Um, yes. And it, it, it's, it, it's almost laughable how, how, how simple these things actually are in reality, but yet so difficult to do. So difficult. It really is, and that's that's a, a difficult balance to strike. Mm, definitely, um, conscious of time, Jordan. I, I know you're 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 a very busy uh, very busy man. Um, I kind of finish off um, episodes with with two questions, but I'm gonna gonna slightly change um, the ones. Typically, I ask what advice would give you your five year old self, but as you're a new dad, what advice would you give to your daughter for the future? Oh man, I would give her the advice that my mom gave to me throughout my entire childhood, which was you're only a kid once, so you better enjoy it. Yeah. I, I, I just want her to have so much fun and, and explore and try new things. And, and that my mom says to me nowadays, she's like, I told both you and your brother, you're only kids once, so you better enjoy it. My brother did not heed that advice. And I like overheated that advice. <laughs> Where like my brother, the joke in the family is ever since he was a kid, like he wanted to have his own apartment and his own business and his own job and his own car. And for me, I was just like, I just want to play 
all the time. I just want to play <laughs> and have fun and just like be a nutbag. So like for me, I think that advice helped me a lot because I really did take it to heart as a kid, which is like, <laughs> I'm only going to be this young once, so might as well. And I think it actually helped me like really enjoy it. So that'll be my advice to her for sure. Amazing. And then the other one is, and we're just going to pretend that I'm literally the best chef in the world for this. I'm, I, I'm not. I'm not shabby in the kitchen, but probably not the best chef in the world. So, meal wise, what would you have as your kind of dinner party meal? And then also, there's four additional seats at the table. Who fills them? Just never ending pepperoni pizza. Amazing. And French fries, <laughs> pepperoni pizza, and French fries. I'm a big like uh, savory guy. I'm not the biggest sweet guy, like, but yeah. pepperoni pizza and, and fries. Fuck it. When I go to when I go to the UK, I, I get chips like crazy, like fish and chips. I love that. But yeah. um, pepperoni pizza and fries, and then oh man, if it was one person, it would be easier. But because there's four people now, it's it's much more difficult. Um, I would say my grandfather or my great grandfather, who I never met. Uh, he he came over for he escaped from Russia when he was 12 years old. He actually mm-hmm. I named my daughter after him. Uh so I'd love to meet him. Um and great grandfather. Man, I'm thinking too much about the dynamic at this table. I'm just gonna pick four people who I'd love to meet. My great grandfather, Hitler, I would love to meet him mm-hmm. uh for many reasons. Um Abraham Lincoln would love to meet him and um let's see i'll choose my wife i'd love to share that experience with my wife yeah <laughs> sounds like a, a very interesting table to be at. <laughs> absolutely i always think of it and and one of the people um that i'd want to meet is is donald trump oh man yeah i you know just because he's just so far out there yeah, he's crazy. Some yeah. of the shit he says is crazy. Yeah, I the only I don't know if I'd be able to get a word in edgewise with him. So like, I don't know how fun it would be. Like like uh, how this conversation is going to go. I think he'd be ejected from the table within about <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> I I really want to get good at doing an an impression of him because I feel like it would just be so funny. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I need to work on that. But man, thank you for having me on. This has been a blast. Amazing. Thank you for coming on. Um, and I, I always send um, a guest away with, uh, send you love, compassion, and kindness. So Likewise, thanks so much, brother. Jordan. Hey, thank you so much. Give your family my love. Um, I'm going on another podcast right now, but um, tell tell your family I say hello. I hope you know, like if you're ever in Dallas, please hit me up. You always have a place to stay. Amazing. And uh, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jordan. Much love. Have a good one, man. Cheers. See ya.